0: Brian Burns is giving the Panthers a lesson in leverage, and guess who has it? Brian Burns does. It's a rare occasion where the player actually has leverage, and and exactly. And when you do as a player have the leverage, pounce. Yeah, I mean that's just good business, right? If, if you're in a in a industry where your role rarely ever has leverage, when you do have it, you better do something about it. Brian Burns doing something about it. Some call it holding in, uh, but it's it's being at the facility but not participating in anything because you want everybody to know I'm healthy, I'm here, I'll be ready if you need me. But the only way you need me is if you pay me, and you got to pay me. Frank Reich, the head coach of the Panthers, on how hard it is not having Burns out there.
1: You know, honestly, like I'm at the stage in this where I'm not involved in the contract negotiation at all, zero. I mean, it's hard. I mean, like I can say, and both of these things seem to be true. I can say I love and respect Brian Burns, and he's got to do what he's got to do. But does that make it harder? Yeah, it makes it harder. I mean, that's just the facts. I mean, I'm sure he he understands that. And, you know, you can't find a more of a team guy than him. You know, but life is complicated sometimes. It gets complicated. So, um, you know, we just keep moving forward day by day.
0: It's funny how over the last week or so, uh, the entire vibe around this has changed. The first practice he he wasn't participating in, it was a personal matter, and everyone was kind of like, oh, respect the personal matter. right?" As soon as you throw personal matter, it, it's like no questions asked. Right? It's, if someone shows yeah. up late and they say stomach issues, you kind of just go, all right, you're good. Okay. We've all been there. I'm not going to ask any more questions. Don't want to know anything else. If, if a coach says player's missing, it's personal matter. All right, fair. Don't want to know anything else. However, if the player keeps showing up to the facility and they keep not participating in the, the team event, we're just going to assume it's a business issue, which is which is kind of what it is. Here's Frank Reich, Frank Reich, the head coach, again, on what changed since last week with Burns.
1: At this point, you know, I've expressed you know, Mr. Tepper and Scott asked me my views of certain things. I've expressed my views. Um, I'm just worried about beating Atlanta, you know, you know, getting our team ready to play Atlanta, really. That, that's all that's on my mind. And do I hope that he's there? Absolutely, I hope he's there. Um, but, you know, if he's not there, you know, I just, I'm just i not worried about it.
0: You're not worried about it? You should be worried about yeah. it. Yeah. Very, very. And I think you know that, Frank Reich. I think I'm not worried about that, which is a, a phrase that you said and you didn't mean it. Uh, he is not practicing. That is a problem. The Panthers have no choice but to pay and overpay for Brian Burns. Spotrack, which is a website that, that's a great resource when it comes to contracts in the NFL, um, they have a market value tool. And this market value tool tells you, based on production, age, uh, a few other things, stats, the contract situation, what you were making previously, what your franchise tag would be, they tell you what the market value would be for a player. Uh, Spotrack says Brian Burns' market value is $23.9 million per year over four years. I bet they end up paying him closer to, if not, $30 per year. Despite him never having more than 12.5 sacks. Never being in the top seven in the league in sacks. Mm -hmm. Despite that, they're going to have to pay him more than the market value would say. Here's why. And this is the lesson in leverage. The team has already told the world, including Burns and his agent, how much they value him. And he knows it. The Rams, remember this report? The Rams offered two first round picks plus two first round picks. And the report was plus a second round pick in exchange for Brian Burns. And they turned it down. You remember the Bears? The reports were when the Bears were shopping the number one overall pick and the Panthers were in the mix, the Bears started by asking for Brian Burns. The Panthers said he's untouchable, and they ended up giving up DJ Moore, a bunch of picks, a bunch of this, a bunch of that. And guess what? Those reports came out. So guess who heard those reports? Me, you, Dennis. Brian Burns, Brian Burns agent, they all heard it. So the leverage is gonzo. If you valued Brian Burns as a guy that has never had more than 12 and a half sacks in a season, as a guy that's never finished in the top seven in sacks in a season, you'd have jumped to accept those offers. By declining those offers, you said, we value him in a way that is more than the production he's put on the, the field. And Brian Burns said, oh, you value me more? That means I can cash in more value. Yeah. And now you're on the doorstep of the season, which is kind of a genius move by Brian Burns. Mm-hmm. Doorstep of the season, he's pulling the chair out from under you and saying, where are you going to sit? He's getting ready to force your feet to the negotiation fire and there's nothing you can do about it. Justin Houston isn't an every-down player and if you don't have Brian Burns, we, me, and, me and Dennis were talking about it. Amari Barno, DJ Johnson, gross mottos, like who are you looking at as an edge rusher and that's No disrespect to those players, not good enough. He ain't Brian Burns. Darn sure is not Brian Burns. Yeah. And Brian Burns, by the way, built up his leverage even more by showing up and playing for most of the preseason, meaning practicing for most of the preseason, and having nothing but glowing reports. The team didn't even realize they were helping negotiate against themselves. Every time they put out a slow motion spin move video on social media, that was just more groundswell for you're going to have to pay this guy a ton of money. He's like, hey, I did everything right. When the team put out their, their version of the, the behind-the-scenes footage of the Jets-Panthers uh, joint practices and they had Aaron Rodgers saying, can somebody block this guy? They were negotiating against themselves. Recently, there was a report out there that Aaron Rodgers was just randomly telling other people how great he was and how he's different. Like, like, Aaron Rodgers is out there negotiating for Brian Burns. There's nothing you can do about it. You've given away all of the inside. Like, imagine if you're going in to buy. It's, it's actually, it's the cliche, right? You're going in to buy a car. What, what do you not do? You don't walk in and go, "I love this car. I can't go another day without this car. It's the perfect car. I've been looking for it for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and me and my family it is the 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 missing uh middle piece to our collection, and it's a one of one. You don't say that. why? Very simple. Because then the other the, the, the person you're negotiating, the person selling the car, is going to go $17 billion like they're Dr. Evil. Put a pinky up to the side of their mouth. The Panthers said, we value this guy more than two first-round picks. We value this guy more than the number one overall pick. We value this guy all this. And then Brian Burns said, okay, $30 million. Turned into to Dr. Evil for a second there. That's what happened. So pay him. You put yourself in this situation, you made your bed, jump in it, lay in it, have fun on it, jump on it, pillow fight, do whatever you want on it, but you made the bed, you got to live with it. And you better have him for game number one because he's that darn important. this is is, to be quite honest, not how I expected this to go. Um, so we planned we talked about months ago doing this little podium segment where every week, based on the performance over the weekend, we would award medals and they're, I mean, not actual medals, but metaphorical, spiritual, hypothetical medals to the the four teams that are in the power five in North Carolina. Uh, them being in no particular order, uh, UNC, Duke, Wake Forest, and, of course, NC State. And the the reason we were doing this is kind of a way to break down each week into a ranking. Who did the best this weekend? Who did the worst this weekend and everyone in between? And when you look at the schedule, I don't know, there, there aren't a ton of weeks where you would have expected four dubs, right, four wins. Uh, so it's almost like, you know, we thought, that, you know, if the three teams win, one lose, it's easy. You know who's gonna be off the podium. You know who's not on the podium, right? The team that lost. But then, of course, week one, we get four victories. Uh, you you get um, I'll put them in chronological order. Uh on Thursday, NC State beats UConn, Wake Forest beats Elon. On Saturday, UNC beats South Carolina, and then on Monday, uh, there's there's the Duke win over Clemson. So let's award some medals, huh? Off the podium. No medal this week, NC State. Oh, it's a win, but of the four teams, they look the worst in their win. It was, it was fair. That passing game is still, still, still making me scratch my head at times. Much to be desired. Much to be desired, and and um, the amount that the, nineteen carries from Brendan Armstrong, that's too many. That's too many. That's a. Like you're at the blackjack table, right? Too many, too many, too, too many. That's too many right there, okay? Uh, off the podium, NC State. I, I, and again, I expected most of the time the off the podium team to be a team that lost. But when all four teams win, you have to look at the team that looked worse in their, in their win. And to me, that's NC State on the road at UConn. Bronze medalist? Wake Forest. Wake Forest looked very, very good for a half. Came back down to earth in the second half. So the very, very good gives you a little bit of a leg up over NC State. But the second half uh, makes it so you can't be over the other two teams. Um, Mitch Griffiths, same thing. Mitch Griffiths looked really, really good for a half. Less good in the second half. That second half bars you from being above the other two teams. Also, you do have to take into account uh, context. You have to take into account opponent. Right? Looking really, really good against Elon. It's a little different than looking really, really good against the two teams uh, that that were faced by the the gold and silver medalist, right? So Wake Forest, congratulations, bronze. Jerry Seinfeld would say bronze is better than silver because bronze, at least you got something. Yeah. Silver. Well, what happened? Why didn't you get the gold? That's the way that people people treat it, right? And you have to explain, well, this is why I didn't get the gold. Uh, So bronze medalist, Wake Forest. Silver. I want, I want build the anticipation. Right, okay. there's two teams left: Duke, Carolina, Carolina and Duke. Silver. Tar Heels. Oh, North Carolina. They, they were they were the betting favorite, probably to be the the gold medalist in in week one. Mm-hmm. And then they handled their business. They beat South Carolina kind of handily, right? They they. Made Shane Beamer really upset with the chain gang, and I, I like <laughs> when, when when the opposing team's coach is mad at the chain gang. You know you did something to frustrate the heck out of your opponent. Mm-hmm. He was upset because they were going to kick the onside kick, and it was a surprise. This, which by the way, was a really cool play. Uh, worked. It worked, but he was mad at the chain gang post game. That's an even a better example. He was mad at the chain gang for throwing off the rhythm of an onside kick that worked. Yeah. Think about how frustrated you made the opposing team's coach when he is nitpicking the surroundings of a surprise onside kick that worked and got his team an extra extra possession. So you know you're frustrated. Like North Carolina did everything they, they were supposed to do, everything they you know, it's kind of like uh every once in a while when you're watching the Olympics, right? Since we're medalists, we're talking Olympics. Every once in a while when you're watching the Olympics, like this happens in swimming more than most, right? It'll be like the 400-meter individual medley, and the person that'll finish in silver will break the world record. The problem is whoever finishes in gold broke the world record by more. Yeah. And it's like, what a bummer that is, right? You have to imagine going into the finals, if I swim well enough to break the world record, that I'm going to go ahead and win the gold here. You'd think. And and then you do it, and, and you don't win because they bro- broke it by more. So... UNC did everything they were supposed to do, everything they probably thought they had to do to win the gold this week. They beat South Carolina handily. They frustrated the heck out of their their opposing team's coach. The only problem is gold medalist Duke beat a top 10 team for the first team since 1989. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they beat Clemson for the first time since whoever knows how long. Uh, they, they, They beat it. The number eight or number nine, depending on which poll you're looking at, team in the country, uh, despite the fact that they were unranked. You you beat the team that has won seven of the last eight conference eight. championships. And you did it in week one. Yeah. You, you did it handily. You did it pulling away. It's not like you jumped out to a, you know, fluky eight or 17-point lead and then just took the air out of the ball and held on to win by three. Mm-hmm. You were getting stronger as the game went along. Losing at halftime, although you were playing better than them at halftime, and then just incrementally in the second half, big play after big play, uh, big defensive stand after big defensive stand, you pulled away. And we've talked about this in the past. When a coach that hasn't been around a long time, and that feels like longer, but Mike Elko, this was the first game of his second season for Duke. When things start going well, it's all about validation. Here's Elko after the win. In a second. We are going to get to Mike Elko after the win. Because it's so it's such a big win that we need a little bit of a time to build suspense. We should have used this time to build up the drum roll for the gold medalist. We know Duke is the gold medalist of the weekend. Now we just want to hear what their coach had to say about it validating what they do in that program. Dennis looks confused behind the uh the glass sometimes this happens over here where things freeze up and all that kind of stuff and well we'll, to- we'll just move on it's fine it, it validates what they're building in the program when you have a big win like that is essentially what we're getting at uh good thing speaking of freezing and pausing Riley Leonard never froze or paused uh, uh the defense for the for for the Blue Devils never froze or paused it's just uh it's a gold medal moment for Duke now we'll do this again next week by the way so this is where you stand for week one this is not where you stand it's not it's not cumulative right it's not like a, a midterm where you're also tested on what's in the midterm next uh, for the final no it is uh, once once you're tested on it it's gone so we'll have a week two gold silver bronze and off the podium medalist as well we have Elko now I have a thumbs up let's hear from Elko yeah, I mean, I think the guys in the room know who we are and know what we're all about. I think what this is to some degree is is validation to the country and to the people outside our program of what we're about and what we're capable of. And and we've been saying it since we got here that we believe Duke is a special place. We believe this is a place where we can really compete at high levels on the football field. And, you know, to me, it's validation that that's a reality. And, and you saw the crowd. You saw the field storm. Um, yep. You know, that was a Cameron-type atmosphere today in our football stadium. And, and that's what we've tried to get accomplish since the day i arrived on campus and you know to watch that continue to grow and continue to build this year will be really cool cameron type atmosphere does cameron have a bounce house in the end zone because because wallace wade had a bounce house right outside the end zone yeah the whole obstacle course they should (laughs) that that would be in the cameron crazies. score with the Jim Allen Group at the jagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity.